Good morning, friends. I'm Father Spencer. I'm one of the co-vicars here at the table, and uh, it's so great to be with you on Christmas Eve. Uh, I want to welcome also those who are joining online. It's great to be with you. I know a lot of folks are traveling. A lot of people have been ill, and so it's great to be able to have you with us in this way. Today, I have the honor of proclaiming good news to you all in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The God of the First Testament is the same as the God of the Second Testament. This is something I think we all know in our brains, but sometimes it can be hard, depending on the tradition that we come from. That may not be the backstory that we've gotten or the assumptions that we carry with us. But the character of the divine is always the same. However, in Scripture, we often see all the different ways that people attempt to relate to the divine. So today in our Scriptures, we see, for example, a juxtaposition between Mary and David and how they attempt to relate to God. We have David who says something like, I will or I must do something great for God. And then we have Mary when she is met by the angel Gabriel saying, how and if you say so. And then finally, God has done great things for me. I want to invite you this morning, this Christmas Eve, this fourth Sunday of Advent, to take inventory today of where you're at. I want you to just take a second and notice the ways that you attempt to relate to the divine. Where do you notice yourself hustling to earn God's love? Are you tempted to believe that if you get your piety right or pray the perfect prayer, then God will work a miracle on your behalf? Beloved, today we proclaim the good news that you don't have to make a place for yourself or make yourself into a place worthy of God's presence. God is wherever you go. And God is making a place for you, a life that is inhabitable in the here and now and a life where all things have been set right. Beloved, consent to Christ's presence with you today wherever you find yourself. In our passage in 2 Samuel, we find that King David was settled. The Lord had given him rest. And David says, look, I'm living in a cedar palace, but God's chest is housed in a tent. Now, we can only kind of guess what his motivations are here. I could see it being shame. My house is nicer than God's house. Perhaps even vanity. I will do something great for God. And for generations to come, they'll say, this is the house of the Lord brought to you by King David. (laughs) Or maybe his intentions are pure, and he wants to properly and appropriately honor the Creator. I think that oftentimes, especially when we think of others, it's easy for us just to guess it's one of those things. But for each of us, it's usually a lot of those things together. We can't really separate our pure motivations from our shadow selves, and the ways that we've learned to cope and make our way in the world. So some combination of those factors and forces led David to say, I've got an idea. I know what to do. And in response to that, it's as if God says, would you build me something to live in? You are not the one to build a temple for me to live in. I haven't lived in a temple since I brought Israel out of Egypt until now. Did I ask any of Israel's leaders, why haven't you built me a temple? And then God goes on to say, 
I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have made a way for you. I'm going to provide a place for my people Israel and plant them so that they may live there and no longer be disturbed. So God is saying, I will make a place for you. You don't have to make a place for me. I am with you wherever you go. In our gospel passage in Luke, Mary is seemingly going about her business when the angel Gabriel is sent to her and says, Rejoice, favored one. The Lord is with you. Don't be afraid, Mary. God is honoring you. Look, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. David was full of ideas of how to honor God, as we often are. But in response to the angel's message, Mary's response is to ask, how? Church, blessed are those who are out of ideas, but aren't afraid to ask how. Gabriel responds to Mary's question by saying, the Holy Spirit will come over you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the one who is to be born will be holy. He will be called God's son. Nothing is impossible for God. And there he says, I'm the Lord's servant. Let it be with me just as you have said. And here we see Mary has become the tent of God. She now at this point is the context in which Christ resides. Wherever she goes, Christ goes with her also. In the Annunciation and the Incarnation, we see most clearly what has always been true of God. God is the first mover, the pursuer. God is with us, always chasing us with God's love. God is physically present inside the belly of Mary in a way that is unique to her, but it helps us to see more clearly that God is not far away from us, but that God is present in our own lives. God's presence will not be restricted to a building, but it is found in the lives of creation, in the lives of God's people. We read the Magnificat as a responsive psalm almost today. Because of that, we read it before our gospel passage, but it actually just comes a few verses later. Mary wastes no time. The text says, Mary got up and hurried to go and visit with Elizabeth. And in the message translation, it says that Mary kind of prefaces the Magnificat by saying, I'm bursting with God news. The Magnificat, Mary's song, was one of the most overlooked or ignored passages in Scripture in the tradition that I grew up in. I really don't think I heard much, if any, teaching on it at all until about 10 years ago, which is... Sad because there's so much good news for us in Mary's song. In Mary's proclamation, we hear about a God who is actually worthy of worship. Not just fear, not just a demanding taskmaster, but a God who inspires awe and makes us wonder and see beauty in creation. We see a God who is not distant, but whose temple lives in, God, in the lives of God's people. We see a God who shows mercy, who scatters the proud, who casts down the mighty and lifts up the lowly. We see a God who fills the hungry and sends the rich away empty. This picture of the character of the divine, the divine that in this moment as she proclaims it is physically present within Mary. This picture of the divine and the divine's character casts vision for us for how to live, 
for what justice and righteousness look like. Christ's presence in Mary's womb is not merely a doctrine or a dogma for us to agree with. It's not just a fact for us to memorize. We are learning about who God is, and we are learning about how to live. He who is the way is showing us the way by moving along the path of life and by simply saying to us, come, follow me. Church, when the divine presence feels far off to us, the Magnificat can be instructive to us. It helps us to have something concrete to look for in the world around us, and it helps us to see, to see God's presence and to have a filter for seeing the divine at work amongst us. So if you're struggling to, to believe or to see God being present and at work in your life, you can look wherever mercy is shown. Anywhere that the proud are being scattered to learn humility, that's where God is. Where the mighty are being cast down and reminded that they are one with their brothers and sisters, God is there. Where the lowly and left out are reminded of their preciousness and their belovedness, God is there. Where the hungry are filled and where the rich are sent away empty to learn generosity, that's where the divine is. So when you have trouble seeing or feeling or believing that the presence of the divine is with you, look for these things. When it's darkest, look for these places where the light is getting in. These proclamations of presence in today's scriptures are good news, but they're also instructive for us. When we fear God is absent from life, we are learning that the divine is actually more present to reality than we often are. Where we are tempted by distraction or despair, God is present and tending to reality. We are being drawn into that true presence. God is inviting us to be present to where we really are, to how we really feel in whatever we're facing today. So to you who keep your feelings at arm's length, you are free to feel without fear that you will be overcome. To you who are feeling overcome and paralyzed by how you feel, you don't have to bear this alone. Notice and name your feelings. Share them with your community, with others, and you can continue forward, even if it's hard to believe, one step at a time. You who aren't sure of how you're feeling, the Holy Spirit is awakening to a part of yourself that your Creator has always known and already knows. God is interrupting all of our working for God's affection, all of our hustling to earn his favor. God is interrupting our ego projects and our shame-based love and reminding us that we don't need any of those. The picture that comes to mind is of a little child playing with something that's not an appropriate toy for them, maybe a screwdriver or a lighter, I don't know. And God just gently taking it from their hands and saying, no, no, you don't need this. We don't need our ego projects or our shame-based love. So brothers and sisters, where is it that you find yourself this Christmas Eve morning? How are you feeling about your circumstances? The circumstances of those who you love? Where are you desperate to feel God's presence right now? Where is it that you are out of ideas and left only asking how 
Because God is saying to you today, you don't have to make a place for me. I go wherever you go. I make my home in your life. The heartache and the pain, the joy and the laughter, and the confusion and the desperation, that's where I live. You are not alone. Christ's presence comes to you today as a gift. It's not a tool to be wielded or a trick to mess with your mind. It's coming to you as a gift. So receive it today, even and especially if you're asking how. Let's respond to this good news together with a moment of quiet reflection, and then we'll pray the prayer of response. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.